Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Every feeling you've ever felt, We have a high priest who can sympathize with us because he's felt what we felt. So when you feel depression, he's felt that. When you feel lonely, he's felt that. When you feel humiliated and disrespected and misused and persecuted and talked about and and, and joy and happiness and all of these things, God can identify with your feelings. And so he endured these things. So they're punching him and they're spitting on him. Is anybody listening to me? They're spitting on him. In my humble opinion. Yeah, I said humble. Spitting is the nastiest thing you could really ever do to somebody. Don't do anybody do you agree with that? You agree? That's just nasty. Not only is it nasty, but it also speaks of your disdain for that which you're spitting upon. It just says something about you and how you feel about that which you're spitting upon. There's Bidding on Jesus and they're punching him and get this saints. He is enduring it all. And Hebrews tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. You know what the endurance was for? The endurance was for you and the endurance was for me. Because Jesus could look down through the cores of time and he could see on May 1st at 6 p.m. All of those people coming in that water, getting baptized and making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And he can see the commitments that have been made throughout the centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years of believers who give their hearts to him and give their lives to him. And he changes them and he makes them new and he transforms them and he takes beauty, ashes, and he makes make something beautiful out of it. And he could look through quarters of time and see that. And that is what brought the joy of your salvation caused him to endure the cross. And he endured it all. Man, I love the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. If you spit on me, Hallelujah, anyhow, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to get caught up in the spirit. And the spirit ain't going to tell him what's going to happen. You know what? I might just say, you know what? The Lord said I'm going to be persecuted in his name, so I'm just going to walk away and 
going to clean up and just going about my business. Or I might kill you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. How did he endure that? And then in verse 65, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. It tells us they did more stuff and spoke against him. In verse 66, look at verse 66, saints. Are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say amen. And as soon as it was day, which means that they were beating Jesus and playing this sick little game all night to early in the morning. Did you know that? Early in the morning, the big mucky mucks show up and they're frustrated. The other gospels tell us that they're, they, they, they tried to bring witnesses against him, but they couldn't get their stories degree because they were all liars. So the chief priests are frustrated, aggravated, irritated. And they say, verse 67, if you are the Christ or if you are the Messiah, then tell us. Now get the scene in your mind's eye. Jesus is sitting there, spit running down his face, bloodied, beaten, exhausted. He can barely stand up. And Caiaphas is mockingly asking, are you the Christ or are you the Messiah? Now listen, this question is pregnant with meaning. In other words, he's asking, are you the Holy One of Israel? Are you the hope of our nation? Are you the one that age after age we've been waiting for? Are you the one the prophets have been talking about for hundreds of years? Tell us, are you the one that will bring in a dispensation when we will beat our spears and our swords into plowshares and we will study war no more? Are you the one that will bring the kingdom to earth, tell us. Now listen, no charges, listen to me, no charges have been brought against Jesus. Nothing. Nothing to convict him of. Why? He's done nothing wrong. What has he done wrong? Nothing. He's healed the sick. Bound up the brokenhearted. Forgiven people. Set people free. Mary Magdalene, she's full of seven demons. Jesus said, go. And they were gone. Set people free from demons and and, and forgave people. And the woman who was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, they brought her and threw her down to Jesus half naked and said, what what are you going to do? We caught her in adultery, which how do you catch somebody in adultery, in the act of adultery? That's all he did was forgive people. Woman, you are forgiven. Now go away and sin no more. What has he done? They have no charges against him. So listen, Caiaphas put Jesus under an oath. And according to the law, if you broke an oath, then they can charge you with a civil charge. And then they could rightfully take Jesus to Pilate and demand his death because Pilate would not put Jesus to death because he was a religious leader. Don't you understand that the beating, the the suffering, the scourging, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ had everything to do with politics? It was all political. Paul is not going to, you know, arrest Jesus or put Jesus to death because he was a religious leader. They've got no 
crimes against him. So they have to figure out something to do. So they put him under an oath thinking if we put him under an oath and then he lies, then we can charge him with a civil charge, take him to Pilate, and then Pilate can say, put him to death. Because Pilate's not going to put him to death just because he's a religious leader. Now get this. In 15 AD, are you listening? In 15 AD, a law was passed that the Jews were not allowed to execute the death penalty. And so they had to get Rome involved. The Talmud, get this, which is, again, is a set of Jewish writings. The Talmud tells us when the law was passed, listen, this is fascinating. When the law was passed, that the, the Jews were not allowed to execute the death sentence, when that law was passed, the high priest went through the streets of Jerusalem weeping and wailing. Why? Because Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, write it down. Look it up in your own time. Genesis 49, verse 10, tells us when Jacob was dying on his deathbed, he prophesied over Judah. And he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh. Shiloh is the Messiah. Until Shiloh comes. So because Rome took away their right to execute the death penalty, the high priest felt that their right to rule had been taken away. And Shiloh, the Messiah, had not come. And so he wept and he lamented because he felt the word of God had been broken. But little did he know that in Nazareth, in a carpenter shop, was a young boy that the hopes and the dreams of all the ages rest upon. And that young boy is the Messiah. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. That young boy is the Messiah. Now in verse 67, we got to move forward. Look at it. If you are the Christ, then tell us. Hmm. Jesus said, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you, you won't answer me or let me go. And Jesus was absolutely right, wasn't he? Because they had already decided that Jesus was guilty. So they asked, are you the Christ? And Jesus, the son of man, he said, Jesus said in verse 69, look at it. He said, the son of man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Now, listen, listen, I Love, 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 love Jesus. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I love the Lord for a lot of reasons. I keep you here all afternoon because I want you to come to that baptism. I'm going to let you go. I love the Lord for many reasons, but mostly because. I don't say mostly because he's smart. Wow, that was deep, Rodney. It is. He's smart. What do you mean? What are you talking about, Willis? He's smart because his answer, note this, in verse 69. Are you looking at verse 69? If you look at it, say, I'm looking at it. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand 
of the power of God. Jesus is smart. You know what he's doing here? Jesus is taking, get your pen ready. Jesus is taking two verses, Psalm 110 verse 1 and Daniel 713, and he's putting them together to give them their answer. Together they read, Jesus will sit on the right hand of God, and then he will be coming in the clouds with great glory. I don't know about you, but I believe Jesus Christ is coming again. I believe it. I honestly, I honestly, you know what? I believe it. Somebody told me, and I got it verified last service, in the second service, somebody told me first service, that out on the 40 somewhere, I don't even know where it is, but there's some sign that says Jesus is coming on May 21st. He's coming May, tw- where we at? Where we at? May 1st? All right, we got 20 days. All right, so if you ain't a Christian, you better get ready. According to them, let me tell you something. Jesus, help me. All right. Let me say this as nice as I possibly can. Okay. My mama said, my mama said, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. But I'm a preacher. I don't have that option. All right. Listen. The Bible says, no man knows the day nor the hour. I'm going to wait while you clap. Although we do know he is coming. And when he comes, he's coming. The Bible says he's coming with the church and he is coming with great glory and every eye shall see him. That's what the Bible says. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Every eye shall see him and he's coming with great glory. I remember one time Miss Elvira, I told this story. One time Miss Elvira, she, she came in the house and she been somewhere. She came home. She said, Rodney, she said, I just heard, she was all excited. I just heard this preacher on the, on the, on the radio. I just heard this preacher. He was preaching. Ooh, that man was preaching. He was preaching a good sermon. That man can preach. I said, oh, honey, will you listen to me? She said, no, 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 not you, not you. I was, I went, oh. So she said, oh, he was preaching. He, she, and she said, and he said that Jesus is coming in the clouds with great glory. She said, Rodney, I could have swore that man said he is coming in the clouds with Greg Laurie. <laughs> Y'all know who Greg Laurie is? I said, honey, she said, I could have swore that man said he's coming in the clouds with Greg Laurie. I said, he's not coming with Greg Laurie. He's coming with great glory, sweetie. It's all right. She said, I could have swore that man said, he's coming. Listen, Jesus is coming with great glory. Every eye shall see him. Someday he is coming back. And Jesus' answer to them is simply this. Listen, Jesus is saying, not only am I the Messiah, in verse 69, not only am I the Messiah and the Son of God, but I'll also return in power and great glory, and I will judge you. And can I tell you something? Trust me, this was not the answer they were looking for. And in verse 70, they asked, are you the Son of God? And again, Jesus gives them an answer they didn't want to hear. 
Jesus said, you rightly say that I am. Now, you got to understand who he's talking to here. He's talking to men who have spent their whole lives studying the scriptures. And when Jesus said, I am the son of God, he's making himself equal with God. Now, I want you to write this down. Listen, if you wrote nothing else down, listen, write this down. Luke, I don't care, write it somewhere, write it in the margin of your Bible, write it somewhere, write it anywhere, write it on your husband's forehead, write it anywhere, but write it somewhere. (laughs) It's fourth service for me, so pray. Luke chapter 22, verse 70. I have you to write that verse down because it is the strongest proof text of the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus claimed to be God. There are people who say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. He never said he was God. Anybody ever hear that? That he never said he was God. Listen, Jesus always said he was God. And here in Luke chapter 22, verse 70, is a clear declaration that he is God. They said, are you the son of God? And he said, you rightly say. In the Greek language, it reads, it reads, you doggone skippy I am. See, if y'all just read Greek, you know that that already you wouldn't be laughing. When Jesus said, you rightly say that I am, Jesus is saying, that's right. That's the truth. Now, at this point, put the Gospels together. Mark 14, 63 tells us at this time that the high priest tore his clothes and he said, why do we need other witnesses? Don't you hear this testimony? What is your verdict? And they all condemned him to death. And the Bible says that even after they condemned him to death, the people began to spit more and to beat him again. Listen, I'm coming in for a landing right here. The ironies and the contrast in this story are striking. What we have here, are you listening? What we have here is an unjust system that convicts the only one who is holy. But in God's sovereign plan for our redemption, the injustice that is shown toward Jesus is the very thing that purchased our pardon. Did you hear me? The injustice that was shown to Jesus is the very thing that purchased our pardon. I want you to clap your hands right there. Would you do that? Jesus stands in this unjust court. And he gets injustice. And one day, we'll stand in a just court and we'll get justice. And the justice we get, listen, don't get it twisted. We don't deserve it. It's called mercy. Anybody thank God for mercy? I thank God for mercy. 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 What's the difference between mercy and grace, Rodney? Mercy, listen, if you're taking notes, you write this down. Mercy is what God doesn't give that we do deserve. And grace is what God gives that we don't deserve. Mercy is what God doesn't give that we do deserve. God doesn't give us hell. He doesn't give us condemnation. He doesn't give us punishment. And yet we deserve it. And grace is what God gives that we don't deserve. 
we don't deserve the blessings of God. We don't deserve to be blessed and highly favored. We don't deserve that every time we come together, the Lord shows up. I don't know. Can you feel it? Can you touch it? Can you sense his presence here in this church? Can you sense it? Or what? Two people? Three, four, five. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve the blessings that we get. We don't deserve, listen, to even breathe. It is God, and don't you get it twisted. It is God who keeps your heart beating at night when you are asleep. You ain't even thinking about it. And God is God. Yes, sir. And it is God who keeps your brain functioning and your liver going and your insides. You're not on watch. You're not on duty. You're not awake. You're not paying attention, and yet you experience all these blessings And all this grace, and you don't deserve it. And not only that, to top it all, he saved us and he filled us. Oh, man. I'm so out of time, and I just, I feel like I just really, I'm ready to start preaching right now. I'm just getting going, y'all. Ooh, thank you, Gene. Somebody go get a bucket of chicken. I don't even eat fried chicken. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. God in his mercy allowed Jesus to be subjected to all of this for our sake. The legal basis for our pardon comes from the travesty in this courtroom. And in this courtroom, the great exchange takes place. The holy is put on trial and sentenced to death. The unholy, you and I, go free because he took our place. The righteous for the unrighteous. And Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 said, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He died that we might live. There was a great exchange that took place in this section here. And actually, I'm going to tell you something. If you go from here and say you want to get this tape and send it to somebody. But if you get it, get the CD on the CD, you're going to see it's printed. Luke chapter 22, verse 63. And then it'll say dash 23, verse 12, meaning it was my desire and intent to go into chapter 23 all the way to verse 12 today. I'm not really sure what I was thinking, but I thought we would get down there. But then when I read this text and I began to dig into this, this section is so rich and so deep and so important because everything that we experience as believers happens between these nine verses. Everything. The great exchange takes place, this travesty in this courtroom becomes your and my blessing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? 
And so I just began to dig in there and dig in there and teach that. Next week, listen, I got to end right here. You don't want to miss it. You just cannot miss it. Jesus is handed over to Pilate. And Pilate, as we talked about last week, he's got to make a choice between conscience and convenience, the right way, the wrong way. Listen to the voice of the crowd or the voice of the Lord. I told you last week, I think it's safe to remind you, choose you this day who you will serve. For today is a day of salvation. If you hear his voice, choose to listen and obey the Lord. He loves you. God has a great plan for you. And to me, I do not know what people's problem is with Jesus Christ. All he ever wanted and ever offered was love and forgiveness and hope, and healing, and blessings. And people hate him. Why? He loves you. For God so loved the world. You heard it a lot of times. Listen to it once again, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever anybody would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.